Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jessie Fritz and I am the host here on the show. Today I am talking to Melissa Buckin. She is an integrative health coach and neo-fertility advisor. Melissa helps busy women to manage their menstrual cycle, reclaim their reproductive health, and optimize their well-being. Melissa and her team talk all about the importance of charting your cycle. So in today's conversation, we you know talked about everything from her specialty in PCOS to the way that most women are pushed into going on the pill or doing IVF or all of these different things when it comes to infertility. We also talked about a ton about the importance of charting your cycle and how it's not just keeping track of your period or knowing when you're fertile or not. There's so much more to charting your cycle and how it can help you understand what your body is going through if something's off and also kind of understand when your body will cyclically, is that right? Is that the right word? Will need that rest or recuperation time or maybe when you'll be just like living your best life during your cycle since we are women and we go through four different phases within our cycle. So in today's episode, Melissa drops so many nuggets. I'm so excited for y'all to listen. So if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Make sure you rate and review the podcast so we can keep growing over here. And yeah, without further ado, let's jump in to Melissa's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I have Melissa Buckin on the show. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jesse. So glad to be here. Looking forward to today's conversation. Yes, me too. I'm so pumped to talk about everything PCOS and just so many different things with you today. So um, since I already kind of gave away a little bit of what we're going to talk about, why don't you explain a little bit about who you are and how you help people? Yeah. So. My name is Melissa. I live in sunny Houston, Texas, Mm -hmm. and I work as a new fertility advisor and integrative health coach. What does that mean? So um, I work mostly with women. Um, I say I work with a reproductively diverse group of women, women Mm -hmm. struggling with infertility, hyperfertility, and anywhere in between on that scale. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I take the approach of of health coaching and helping women create a diagnostic tool through a well-charted cycle so that they can um, really advocate for themselves and the type of reproductive and women's health care that they desire. Most of the women I work with are wanting to restore their health. They're wanting to restore their fertility. And so that's really the focus of creating that that well-charted cycle. Mm -hmm. And of course, it all comes from a personal experience. A lot of women in this uh, arena of health coaching and fertility awareness typically get into it because um, it's impacted their way, their own personal uh, journey in some way. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. What is, what is your journey with that space? Jesse, it starts back to actually when I was in high school. So Mm. I'll take you back to my junior year in high school. I was traveling abroad. I was as a foreign exchange student for a summer in France and I felt awful. I mean, chronic fatigue and this horrific back pain that I actually didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought mm-hmm. I had a kidney infection. I was searching for a doctor in a country where I barely spoke the language. Lo and behold, it was menstrual cycle cramps. Mm-hmm. I um, started my period. I ruined the sheets of my host family. It was completely embarrassing. But what really struck me was that I was in so much pain, I didn't recognize it as, as menstrual pain. Mm. And I had really long erratic cycles. I was very, very tired, horrible acne. So as soon as I got back to the States, my mom took me to the doctor. We wanted answers. What was wrong with me? Why at the age of what, 16, 17, was I so tired all the time? Were my cycles not regulating? Why mm. were they so painful? And the answer that I was given was, well, we don't know, but the pill is a responsible, healthy thing to Mm -hmm. take to solve this problem. And by the way, if you ever want children, IVF is probably your best option. Mm. Have a nice day. I was in high school. Having children was nowhere on my horizon. I just wanted to feel well. So I started taking the pill and I did start to feel better. I mean, my cycles regulated, Mm -hmm. not because I was having a regular menstrual cycle, but because the pill causes you to have a regular bleed, withdrawal bleed. The 
pain was manageable, but the fatigue never got better. So I kind of stumbled through the rest of high school and my early college years, just the chronic fatigue, um, gained a lot of weight on the pill despite eating the right things, exercising, trying to do all that I thought was healthy. Um, a healthy, balanced lifestyle was important to me. I was studying biology at university, and I remember sitting in the lecture hall for anatomy and physiology, studying the female reproductive system, and the professor gave a lecture on the early biomechanics of how the birth control works. Mm-hmm. And it was my big aha moment. I realized it was doing nothing to solve my problem. It was just really a Band-Aid effect. Yeah, so yeah. I went back to my college apartment, threw the packet of pills in the trash can, and I started looking for answers. I started asking for, for um, help and, and guidance, and it led me to charting my cycle. I started charting my cycle, was able to connect with a, a physician who practices restorative reproductive medicine, get a formal diagnosis of polycystic ovaries, and I began my healing journey. Um, fast forward, I ended up getting married a few years later. We were able to actually conceive a child, um, and we've had three children um, naturally mm-hmm. without the need of IVF. So um, I share that with you because so many of the women that I work with, their story is the exact same story as mm-hmm. mine. And every time they share it with me, I have to fight back the tears because I remember the confusion and the pain and the frustration that I went to. So I'm really on a mission to help women find solutions if they're not satisfied with the pill, if they don't want to go the route of IVF. And if they just want to feel good, you do not have to be in misery, navigating fatigue and painful cycles and erratic cycles. If you have PCOS, it's just, um, we're genetically predisposed to it, but we have some control over how our genes are expressed mm-hmm. has a lot to do with stress management and lifestyle management, but it, it can be done. And, and over the years I've tried different things and certain things have worked for me at different times in my life, but I'm happy to say that as I'm, you know, transitioning into the perimenopausal years, I have a regular cycle mm-hmm. where for the majority of my reproductive lifetime, I did not have a regular cycle um, without some type of medical induction of a cycle. So um, I feel good. I wake up feeling refreshed and energized and I have, you know, clarity of thought rather than dealing with that foggy brain. And mm. yeah, so it's just, it's just been, it's been a journey and it still is a journey. It's something that I live with daily, but, um, but happy that I, I have the tools that, that allow me to manage it. Yeah. So what does it mean to chart your period or your cycle? Yeah. Oh, so that's really interesting that you asked that because um, usually the first distinction I make in explaining this to women is tracking your period and charting your cycle are two very, very different things. Mm -hmm. There are a million cycle or period tracking apps out there. Yeah. Um, Every time you go to any doctor, oh my gosh, you go to the dentist. What's the first thing they ask you if you're a female? When's the first day of your last menstrual period? Yep. Tracking your period. And that's really good information to have. At a basic level, everyone should always know when their period starts, how long their cycle is. Mm. But charting your cycle, it kind of takes it to a deeper level. You are tracking biomarkers, specifically biomarkers tracking estrogen and progesterone throughout the cycle. That's giving you a picture of your overall ovarian health. Mm. If you ovulate, the quality of the ovulation, it allows you to then tap into kind of self-awareness and and where your energy and your creativity is depending on where you are in your cycle. Women, we are hormonal roller coasters. We're not like men. If a men were to chart, uh, ladies, he's always <laughs> ready to go. He's yeah. always fertile. It's yeah, pretty predictable. But a woman's menstrual cycle is a hormonal roller coaster. Our energy, our mood, our creativity, it ebbs and flows depending on whether we're in the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, the luteal phase. And so knowing this information is, you know, it is recorded in in medical literature that a well-charted cycle is the fifth vital sign in women, right up there with blood pressure Hmm. and temperature. So it's if we know how to track the right things, we know a lot about our overall kind of health barometer of, Mm -hmm. of where we stand. So yeah, it's, it is so much more. A lot of people, when they think about charting your cycle, like, oh, it's just to, to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. No, it's so much more than that. It really is. I always say charting is more than a method. It's a lifestyle. And it really is that step into tuning into to where you are um, in that hormonal journey month to month. 
I have to say, like, I, I mean, I have a whole birth control story <laughs> with mine, but I, so I've been off of birth control now for just under two years. And the birth control I was on most recently was the IUD. And it just got to the point where I was like, mm, I think I need to take this out. I think it's affecting my health. And, and then I kind of just went into this phase of like, I knew when my period happened, I kind of knew when I ovulated and, and then I just kind of crossed my fingers <laughs> that, you know, I wouldn't get pregnant in the interim, but then it really wasn't, I'm 32 now. It really wasn't until honestly, maybe like four months ago that I started tracking my full cycle. Like I started with, um, taking my temperature every morning tracking that. And then, like you said, like an app, I have an app that I can track, but the thing I like in my app is that I can also track like how I'm feeling. What, like, am I crabby? Am I, do I have a lot of energy? Do I not? And it really wasn't until I started paying attention to that, that I was like, and maybe you can talk to this a little bit more, what those different uh, phases in your cycle mean. But yeah, for me, the you know, I'm the, I'm about a week out from my period right now and I can tell, <laughs> but like the, about like the end of my period to the, the week after my period, I am a super woman and it's crazy to be able to, to see that in your cycle. And when you start paying attention to it, it makes it easy to like schedule things and <laughs> things like that. So before I go like way off on a tangent, can you explain like what the different, um, phases of the cycle are and like what they mean? Yes, absolutely. Jesse, I love that you already have that intuition. You're paying attention to your body and you're able to tap in. So before I talk about the phases, I just want to kind of piggyback on that mm -hmm. because so many women, they feel like they're, they go into superwoman mode. They're able to just really tap into their creativity, create a lot. And then two weeks later, they can hardly crawl out of bed. They just yeah. <laughs> Netflix and they feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. And it's so important that women recognize they're not a failure. It's just that we cycle through these highs and lows. Some women, and, and for the women I work with, most of them have imbalanced cycles. So I say that the classic 28-day cycle is that unicorn cycle and you know, mm -hmm. no PMS. Because again, the women I see, they, there's usually a hormonal imbalance. And so PMS is a little bit more, um, it rears its ugly head, I yes. guess. <laughs> And, and so we have to just recognize that this is this is how we are. This is what our body is doing. And we have to create the space mm -hmm. to really lean into our creativity, but also to be able to, to yeah. just have some quiet space for us to, to be mm. and to rest. And that's okay. So the four phases of the cycle. So typically we recognize there's the kind of pre-ovulatory, post-ovulatory phase. But I teach that there are four phases. There is the menstrual phase. That's when you are shedding the lining of the uterus. Then you transition into the follicular phase where an egg is going through the maturation process, preparing to be ovulated. Then there is the ovulatory phase. And it really is a phase because unless you are doing like daily targeted ultrasounds, you don't know the exact moment of ovulation. Yeah. But it, it's, you know, with really good accuracy, you can pin it down to about a three, four day phase. And then you enter into the luteal phase where progesterone levels are high. So that follicular phase, estrogen levels are elevated, they're rising, they peak right as you ovulate. Estrogen um, at high levels is associated with kind of higher energy, that, that superwoman feeling. Um, if you have an estrogen imbalance or your cycle's not balanced, a lot of women will actually experience reverse PCOS, I mean, not PCOS, reverse PMS, where they start feeling PMS symptoms around the time that they ovulate. Um, and then we transition into that luteal phase where progesterone is high. Progesterone is that feel-good hormone. It tends to slow you down a little bit, make you a little bit more introspective. Mm -hmm. uh, you may even notice your bowels slow down, your digestive system flow, mm -hmm. slows down, you crave different foods. Mm -hmm. And then you transition back into the, the menstrual phase. And typically that transition from, um, 
from that late luteal phase into menstruation, that can be a time of tension for women, especially if there's a hormonal imbalance. Mm -hmm. um, if there's not, and they're living a nice balanced cycle, it, it can be rather uneventful, which is the goal. But for a lot of women, it can be a little bit more of a time of tension. So they need to work on stress management and lifestyle modifications to make sure that they can handle that with grace, even though um, it may be very messy and very ugly and you may not be feeling your best. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. So, um, you, do you only work with women with PCOS or any kind of like kind of hormonal imbalance? No, I work with um, women. If you're menstruating, I can work with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, well, so we have three coaches in our chart your cycle program. I tend to focus on women struggling with infertility, hormonal imbalance, endometriosis, and PCOS. Although I'm trained to work with women on um, any phase of their reproductive uh, spectrum. Mm -hmm. We also work with women who are preparing um, for pregnancy, but may not have an infertility issue. We work with them in the postpartum phase, breastfeeding, mm -hmm. um, trying to transition into um, understanding their normal fertility. So yeah, it's, it's definitely across the board. We work with anybody who, um, yeah, any woman who's menstruating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I asked that just as, uh, so I have Hashimoto's. So the hormonal imbalance is definitely something that, that I pay attention to. And I know that I personally go through obviously with my thyroid, but then, um, I do think that sometimes it can be a little sneaky because I'm like, is there something else going on here? Is there like a PCOS issue or is this, is this an estrogen dominance issue? Is this a, is this a Hashimoto's issue? Like it can be a little seedy there because they're all, they're all affecting your hormones just in different ways. Right. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct with, with Hashimoto's. And I worked with a lot of women with, with, with Hashimoto's. Um, we, we have to remember that 80% of, of diseases are a result of our body being inflamed, mm -hmm. but based on what your genetic predisposition is, it's going to look different, right? Okay. So for you, it's Hashimoto's. For me, it's PCOS. Um, for somebody else, it may be another issue. But when we're looking at addressing the issue of inflammation in the body, I guarantee you, we all have very similar modalities to, to our healing journey. Mm -hmm. We may even be on some of the same medications if we're on medications. Um, and so it's a lot of it is addressed with the same lifestyle issues. So it, it, it sounds easy in theory because it's like, oh, it's all treated the same. No, not really. I mean, they, I, there's definitely need for specialty and certain, um, certain situations do need to have specialty care. But when we're talking about general lifestyle management, we have to, we have to manage our sleep. We have to manage our stress. We have to really be mindful about the foods that we're putting in our body and that, um, we can see reflected in our cycle. When we're doing that work, we can see it balanced in our cycle. I'd be very curious, Jesse, to see your untreated self, what your menstrual cycle would look like. Mm -hmm. um, it sounded like you were on hormonal birth control prior to, to getting off and part of your healing journey. It'd be interested, what, what, did, what would your natural cycle look like um, without um, your Hashimoto's being under control? Um, what does it look like if you have a flare up? Do you, do you notice mm -hmm. any difference? And yeah. it's, it's a subtle thing. So it's, uh, it's subtle in that we're, we're not just tracking the first day of your period and the last day we're tracking the biomarkers. So temperature, we're tracking cervical mucus changes. Um, we're tracking mood changes, mm. energy level fluctuations. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I know personally for me is this like stress management. I, I mentioned it to you when we first started talking. That's actually why I recently left my job. Um, the stress management side of things is so like affects people so much. And I've even noticed like when I moved, you know, from Chicago to North Carolina, my next cycle was a shit show to put it lightly. Like it was just off. I didn't feel well much longer than I normally do. My period was way later than it normally is. I already have like a 32 to 34 day cycle currently. So it's just already a little, a little, I guess it's not long, but it's on the higher end. And then, um, so yeah, it was just interesting. Thankfully I had already started to like pay attention to those things. And I was like, interesting where this is coming up, like you, how much stress can really affect, um, people in general, but anyone with chronic, chronic issues, especially and women with our cycles, it just can take over. Yeah. 
You are absolutely right. Stress has a very significant impact on the menstrual cycle. And let's talk about why it's kind of, it has an evolutionary mechanism in there. Mm. Um, if, you know, back in the day, stress response was like to kind of kick us into fight or flight. We're running from tigers and lions. Yeah. Well now like we've, we've created all of these stresses, but it's the same hormonal biochemical response going on in our body. So if you are under a significant amount of stress as your body's preparing to ovulate, your body's going to postpone ovulation as a natural defense mechanism mm. so that you don't get pregnant when you're in that fight or flight response. Oh, interesting. So that's what's happening with a delayed cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, when I'm introducing this concept to women, the four most common areas are um, like major life events, a death in the family, uh, a major, like a graduation. I work with a lot of young women, like graduation. So a big life change and move like mm -hmm. a big move. So actually the top, those are the top three. And then a major illness mm -hmm. um, can be the, the fourth one. But I always say, you know, as we're kind of approaching the holidays, the infamous Christmas cycle for women um, who are managing households, because uh, you know, the holidays are supposed to be this, this peaceful, beautiful, loving time to get to be, to together with family and create memories. But let's be real. Who's the one running the show? It's, <laughs> it's the lady of the house, right? It's mom yeah. she's buying the gifts and she's making the meals and she's sending the cards and she's adding a lot of to-dos on her already long to-do list. So the infamous Christmas cycle where mm -hmm. um, after Christmas, they're like, oh gosh, am I pregnant? What's going on? Where's my period? <laughs> right. It's a stress cycle. Um, I'm in Houston. Uh, we had a, a massive hurricane a, a couple of years oh, yeah. ago. Yeah, the hurricane cycles. Those are fun. I had one myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, yeah, it stress has a very big impact on our, on our cycle. So if you're able to really just even connect the dots, mm -hmm. like you are, I just had a cross country move and now my cycle is crazy. My period's MIA. Mm -hmm. You're able to, that just validates what's going on. Right. So it's not something wrong with my body. Oh my gosh, I need to get to the doctor. What's wrong. Mm -hmm. No, your period's delayed because you had a stress event mm -hmm. and that's just, confirming, okay, my body is sensitive to stress. I need to prioritize my self-care. I need to work on stress management so that I can restore my hormonal balance because hormones, those are the chemical messengers in our body that keep us moving and we're integrated. It's not just about our menstrual cycle. If our menstrual cycle is off, that's probably because something else is off. It's just a way of communicating. All of our systems work together. And that's why I mentioned that, you know, 80% of diseases are a result of inflammation. It's mm -hmm. just different depending on what your genetic makeup is. Yeah. I'm actually glad that you brought that up again with inflammation. I think inflammation is a word in the chronic illness community that we all use that I don't know that everybody knows what it means. And even I remember one time <laughs> my best friend, I was talking about like, that I just felt really inflamed and she was like, she doesn't have any chronic symptoms. And she was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what, so what does that mean? What does, what causes inflammation? What is it? And how, how can that, I know, like for me personally, um, chronic stress is an inflammatory and there's also certain foods and I feel it in different ways. I feel it in my joints. I feel it physically in my body. I can tell that I'm holding water, but, um, for someone out there, that's like, you know, people are telling me about inflammation. I don't know what that means. What, what is that? Yeah. And so yeah, it manifests itself in a lot of different ways, right? Like yeah. for me, with PCOS, that's my formal diagnosis versus Hashimoto's. We probably experience a lot of the same symptoms when we're inflamed, the joint pain, the fatigue, um, the foggy brain. Mm -hmm. So inflammation, it, it serves a purpose, right? Acute inflammation in the body, it's, it's a defense mechanism. So if you think if you cut yourself, all of the blood cells rush to that cut and they start restoring and repairing. But with inflammation, it's it kind of, you have these messages in your body and they don't know when to stop. It's mm -hmm. like your body's constantly um, in an attack. And so I don't know that I'm going to give the best explanation for this, but it has a lot to do with our stress hormones, with cortisol, mm -hmm. with our um, endogenous endorphins. Yeah. A lot of what, some research, and I can't cite it off the top of my head. I'd have yeah. to do digging um, into to the reading that I've done. But women with um, inflammatory issues, PCOS, um, endometriosis specifically, because that's what I do a lot of my research on, their um, endogenous endorphin level, it's actually subpar. Mm -hmm. And so so those endorphins inside of us or the internal opioids that we, we those are also what they're called, that's what, what kind of fights off 
um, disease keeps inflammation like a pro pro inflammatory, like a positive inflammatory response, right? Like it'll fight something off, but then it knows when to calm down. Mm -hmm. But when we're kind of at a subpar with our internal um, endorphins, our body, it, it causes a cascade of events that causes inflammation and it doesn't know when to, to stop. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get our, um, kind of internal endorphin level up to like playing field, Hmm. with when I'm using my hands, but no, the listeners can't hear me <laughs> to normal playing field, then that inflammatory response knows when to kick in and when to turn back off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for those of us who are, are, have a more sensitive composition where we tend to not know when the, inflama- the inflammatory response does not know when to stop, yeah. um, it, it kind of overdoes it. And so yeah. we really be careful with the foods that we eat, um, with the type of sleep that we get. I say we are more like a Ferrari. Mm. We um, are a highly um, sophisticated engine and we can function at a very high level, but we have to make sure our engine's oiled. We have to take a lot of TLC to our engine. Whereas maybe our partner or our spouse, they're like a beat up old Chevy truck. Like <laughs> it's okay if they skip an oil refill or if they let their engine tank you know, gas tank go on low, they'll, they'll refill their tank and they'll bounce back up the next day. So like an example might be like on the weekends, um, you drink a little too much or mm-hmm. you have one too many, you know, carb loaded donuts. You wake up Monday morning and you can hardly get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Inflammation set in. Whereas like, like my husband, for instance, he's going to bounce out of bed, like nothing ever happened. Yeah. And, and so it's how, how we respond to that. So it's, it, I hope that was a good explanation. Um, mm-hmm. not to, you know, get into too boring of a, of a, of a, detailed description. Inflammation, it, it, it has its purpose and its place, but for those of us who are in an inflamed state, our body doesn't know when to, to cut back. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of times these are the things that we're doing to it, like not sleeping enough, eating the wrong foods, working out too much, you know, yes. yeah, CrossFit, marathon running. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just tipping us over. Yeah. Into- and I love the Ferrari analogy. I'm definitely <laughs> going to use that whenever someone is like, you know, I'm going to be like, well, I'm just a Ferrari. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I need a little TLC. Yes. Yeah. And it's really important that we understand that. So, because it affects our relationships, you know, like yeah. for me, my husband, and I give the analogy a lot of my husband and I, and I, I love him dearly and he's amazing. And I compare him to an old beat up Chevy truck. Whereas I'm <laughs> right. But he recognizes that about me and honors that about me so that like come nine o'clock, I'm getting in bed mm-hmm. and we're at a place now where our kids are older. So they no longer have that early bedtime. They all stay up later than I do, but he takes the responsibility and knows that, you know, I'm a better mom and I'm a better person in the morning if I can go to bed and he'll make sure that they're all in bed and tuck them in. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that we have to do because I cannot stay up late. I, I just need more sleep than every other person in my house. <laughs> and, and we have to recognize that or, or the ship goes down fast because, mm-hmm. you know, the old adage of mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And you can't have a mom running the household when she's, when her, her gas tank is empty. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's too much. And I think too, this idea of stress management is an inflammation. All of these things are, they're so unique to each person. Like you might, and you're, it's also one thing that I've learned. (laughs) It's unique to each phase of your life as well. Like, you know, I, inflammation did not, was not joint pain for me until about a year and a half ago. And then that, and I was like, what am I breaking? What is happening here? But it was just a new clue to what, to what was going on for me. And I think, recognizing those patterns and understanding that it, it might change depending on, on where you're at. And two, I think stress management is something that we all talk about, but then I don't think we all actually take into account and do something about. And, um, as stress, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but stress management can be as small as just like going to bed at 9 PM the night before so that you can be a better mom. Um, I guess that's not small, but you know what I mean? It's, or it can be something as for me, I got to the point where I had to quit my full-time job and I feel like a crazy person for doing that, but it just, you know, that's that constant stress, um, can really start to affect things. Yeah. It's such an important, it's such an important point. And in realizing that what you were doing, it may be a difficult 
decision now, but in the long term, it's going to serve you well. And this is really stress management. You're right. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but we all have to take steps daily to, to manage stress. And I believe that really it, the, at the foundation of that, it's starting with some mindset work and some visioning work. Mm. And for you, it sounds like, I mean, I don't want to project anything, but you were, you were saying something long-term here of what do I want my life to look like a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, if I'm in my current job, what's going to be the status of my health? Yeah. And so you're prioritizing your health and your well-being over your job. And you said, okay, something has to change. So you made that decision mm-hmm. and it sounds like this is a fairly new decision. So you're still yeah. working through that, but we have to say, okay, what is it that I want to be? And we can really, if we can envision our best self, what does our best self look like? Then we can reverse engineer the process to that. Mm-hmm. So for example, for me, I want to be a woman who has energy to mm-hmm. keep up with my family and to create and work and serve the women um, that I do. But to have energy, I have to have sleep and I have to fuel my body with the right things. Um, you know, for and you're right, it looks different in, in in different stages in our life. For whatever reason for me, I don't know the reason. I started metabolizing alcohol very, very differently the last few years than I always have. I've always never been a heavy drinker, but I've always enjoyed a cocktail or a glass of wine every now and again. Yeah. And and for whatever reason, the last few years, I, I can hardly tolerate any alcohol, I'll have one drink and I feel so severely hungover the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, like I went on a binge and it was a simple drink. I don't know what happened there. I don't yeah. know, but my body is not metabolizing alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. and so I had to cut that out of my life and I'm a better person for it. Um, and, but I'm still learning to navigate, you know, when you go to a cocktail party or a social gathering of, you know, it just, sometimes you go in remote of like, Oh, in this situation, I always have a glass of wine. No big deal. I can't do that now. So it's really being mindful and showing up for myself in those situations. Again, visioning what do I want to be, what do I want to look like, what do I want to feel like the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I have to think about those situations that provide roadblock or that are roadblocks or maybe um, a blockade for me realizing the vision of myself that, that I want to create. And so, and I give that example because that's like the most recent one that it was hard for me to break up with alcohol. I love a good yeah. drink every now and again, but for whatever reason with me and my, my chronic journey with PCOS um, and I just, my body doesn't like it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I meant before with just like the difference, you know, like the difference of thing. I mean, I could eat amazingly wonderful food like 10 years ago that I cannot eat anymore, that I'll just feel awful. And, um, I, you know, five or six years ago, I was very into working out hard workouts. I wasn't doing CrossFit, but I was lifting very heavy weights. I was, um, I was doing a lot of cardio. I was doing all those things getting up at five in the morning to go work out and then go work a full day and then work a second job at night. And I was like, this is great. I'm doing wonderfully. And then all of a sudden (laughs) my body was like, nope, not anymore. And it was, you know, it took, I'm still working through that. Just like, you know, these things that you kind of connected with your identity. Like I was a very fit person. I was a very, all these things. And then, you know, my weight changed and my fitness level changed. All these things changed that because all of a sudden my body during that time period just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Um, and that's just like a connection story for me. But I also think that women in general, um, when it comes to stress management or just taking care of themselves in general, it can, we feel selfish. Um, a lot of women, you know, they just, especially when they're a mom and I'm not even a mom yet. And I still feel some of that guilt, um, when I need to take time for myself. And I think that, um, that, yeah, that just kind of feeds into that whole cycle. It does. It does. And I think, you know, it's hard being a woman in 2020, if Mm -hmm. we don't have the right mindset and, and, and a good mentor to lean on and, and resources because we're not taught these things, but, mm-hmm. but commercialization it is constantly pushing things of what it means like to be a beautiful woman, what it means like to be a productive woman. And that's just, it's just a lie. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's absolutely a lie. And so we do, we think that, you know, to provide, we always need to, to sacrifice ourselves first, but really that that's just, then you can't serve from an empty cup. So you mm-hmm. have to focus 
on you. And it, it took me, I, as you were telling that story of, you know, I used to do CrossFit and get up at 5 a.m. before anybody else would get up and 11 o'clock, I was ready for bed. 11 o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I could no longer function the rest of the day. I just felt like a zombie getting through the day, not realizing I was throwing myself into adrenal fatigue mm-hmm. and not serving anybody. Um, and I felt like I looked great. And again, that was that misconception of what does that mean? What does body image mean? So working through what is a healthy body image and, and who are you? What do you vision yourself to be? And, and even giving those self-talk back to you. I am a woman of vision. I am a woman of, that has energy. I am a woman who, who serves others. Okay. Well, if I'm those things, who do I have to be to myself first? Mm-hmm. I have to show up to myself first before I'm able to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's, there's just so much that goes into <laughs> being a woman just hormonally, <laughs> physically, mentally. And I think that, like you said, having a mentor or someone to work with or, a friend or something to be able to, to work through some of that, that stuff and, and understanding what, how to take care of yourself the best way is really important. Um, I, I'm going to like switch real quick just to one topic that we talked about before we fully logged on here. And also just something that I've talked about with my best friend who deals with PCOS and endometriosis. She actually just had, um, a, thankfully a successful surgery that, um, that's helping her with some pain management right now. But one thing that's always been interesting to me is, and this happened to me too. I am not diagnosed with PCOS, but when I was 16, I had really bad acne and, um, my doctor was like, okay, time for the pill. And I had been on the pill from the time I was 16 until I was 30. So, um, and I even got to the point where I was like, I don't want to ever come off of this. I don't want to have a period because I had never really dealt with it. But anyway, so like, why do you think that the first thing, especially with PCOS, but even just women in general, why is the first thing that a doctor jumps to is the pill or is IVF or is something like that? So I'm going to try to keep my answer as concise as possible because I really (laughs) could devote a whole podcast episode to this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But simply it's it's not taught in medical school Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons and not to get on the the big pharma soapbox, but birth control is a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not taught in medical schools. So I think that's really the issue at hand. And I know this because all of the doctors that I work with who offer um, a restorative approach to, to reproductive health, a lot of them came to this when they learned about it, that that's what they said. This is not taught in medical school. They learned about it. Uh, they got specialized training in restorative reproductive medicine and now they devote their practice to it. I'm actually, our program, Chart Your Cycle, is a preceptor, um, which is part of, a, it's called FACTS. FACTS is Fertility, um, the Fertility Awareness Collaborative to Teach the Science. Mm-hmm. And they offer an elective to medical schools. And so we're a preceptor for the Georgetown University Medical School, where medical students can take this elective to learn about fertility awareness-based methods, and then they shadow. So they actually will shadow our program, a group coaching program. And the doctor who created this elective did so because it wasn't until her first year in residency that she learned about this and learned about kind of the holistic restorative approach, the alternative to IVF and birth Mm -hmm. control. And she was just so blown away by it that she'd never heard of anything. She herself had been on the pill from a young age for a health issue that she thought this has to get into medical school. So now she has developed the last 10 years creating these electives um, to help uh, get this information to, to medical students. So I think that's the big issue is that people just aren't educated in it. And there's not a lot of money to be made in it. IVF and the pill, they're multi-billion dollar industries. They have brilliant marketing, they have mm. brilliant business plans and, and they do well at what they do. Um, so, you know, yeah. it's, it's not near as attractive to say, um, chart your cycle and, you know, eat well and sleep well. And there's probably going to be some therapeutics as well, but a lot of times they're bioidentical or they're generic. So there's not a lot of money to be made out of them. So I I think it's, if you follow the money, you'll know why. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. I do also think that, and I know that I fell into this as well. When I got into my twenties, there's also this piece of people want 
um, something to fix right now. They want something that they can see it working right now. And, you know, it took me a while to get into paying attention to my body more holistically. And I, I, you know, I was the girl that was like, I have a migraine medication. I had on the I'm on the IUD. I took Accutane at one point in my life, like all these things. I know that I was on a thousand antibiotics. I'm like, my first health coach was like, what is going on here? Like, I don't even know where to start with you, but it's just like, there's just this kind of, especially probably in America, I feel like we're even worse, but like, we just want an answer right now and we want something to help right now. And I think Some people are okay with the fact that the pill is just masking things or they don't even think about it. They're literally like, cool, when I take the pill, I don't, I don't get a period or I don't get as much pain. So that's fine. And they don't, we don't really think about, but where is that pain coming from? You know? So I think that plays into it as well as like, but the money thing is definitely (laughs) the main factor there. Yeah, yeah, no, I think again, we could have a whole podcast. Yeah. I was getting those thoughts that came to my mind. Yeah. You are absolutely correct that we are an instant gratification. We want answers now. We want a silver bullet approach. Yeah. One of my mantras, I tell this to my kids every day, they joke that it's gonna be engraved on my tombstone. <laughs> there, are, there are no shortcuts to any place worth going. And I and I mm-hmm. firmly believe that. I think that we were both of we were of a generation where I, same thing I've been on, I don't know how many antibiotics I, you know, was on the pill from a very young age, um, Accutane as well. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't, it, it provided solutions for the then and now, but now we're kind of reeling from the consequence of an imbalanced system. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. So, you know, a greater, um, likelihood of getting migraines and yeast infections and just fit fatigue and not feeling well and the joint pain, the inflammation, because everything is out of balance. And it really comes down to education. We need to educate future generations that while these solutions may fix your problem right now, they will have lasting consequences later on. Mm -hmm. So we really need to pave the path to wellness now so Mm -hmm. that not only is the solution fixed now, it's not going to be right away, but there, there is a journey to healing, but then for the rest of your life, you're feeling well. Yeah. And I think sometimes that just, we don't, we don't think about that because we're always about the here and now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that the remedy, unfortunately to that in my mind is education. It's Mm -hmm. about advocating. And that's a lot of the work that I do. And I believe that every young girl needs to learn to chart her cycle. I think that this should be taught in, in schools. And a lot of the women that I, that work through the program, um, one of the most common responses I get after starting to work with women is why have I not ever heard about this before? And they come at this response mm-hmm. with either guilt mm-hmm. or anger. And so we really work through in the beginning um, phase of, of, of working and coaching women. We have to release the guilt. We have to release the anger because you can't do anything about the past. It's only about what we're doing moving forward. It's mm-hmm. not your fault that you're put on the pill at a young age. It's not your fault that you didn't know, but now you know. Mm-hmm. But what if we could get into uh, the next generation a little bit earlier? I mean, I have a teenage daughter. I know how difficult it is navigating the tumultuous terrain of puberty mm-hmm. where, um, you know, nowadays, gosh, we've got school, grades, boys, and then social media. I'm yeah. so glad I had to do social media back I then. <laughs> and then to throw onto that your period. Mm-hmm. When's it going to start? Is it going to start? And you don't know because you don't even know how the whole darn thing is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. But if women, I mean, that's one thing I can say, I feel like I'm doing really well with my daughter. She knows what her cycle is. She knows how it works. She knows why she's experiencing PMS. Mm-hmm. She knows when she's feeling really well and she's able to navigate that and set proper expectations and not feel like there's something wrong, that her body's against her or that her body's broken. We really, really work to, to establish this image of positive self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to give, to share this example of, of one day. So I work from home. I have a home office and right outside of my office door, my stairs leading up to the kids' bedrooms. And she was not feeling well. And then she was kind of you know, having some cramps and she just glared at me. She was, mom, this sucks, but I know one day I'll celebrate the fact that I can produce life or something. <laughs> but she just realizing that like, she felt really crummy, right? But she's yeah. making a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not something to just be shut down and masked because it is tempting, right? I mean, 
yeah, there are times we've all said that when we've had bad cramps or bad penis, just put me on the pill and put me out of my misery or just take it out and put me out of my misery. Yeah. But, um, the menstrual cycle is not supposed to be something that we have to white knuckle through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be well-balanced and we're supposed to feel good, even though those energy levels ebb and flow. So if you do experience bad PMS, really bad menstrual cramps, reverse PMS where ovulation is really a beast to work through, mm-hmm. that's just your body communicating to you that there's an underlying issue going on. Yeah. And so there is a way to a, a restorative approach. Mm-hmm. It does take work does take persistence, does take showing up to yourself for yourself every single day, yeah. but there is a path of healing. Yeah. I mean, good thing we're women, right? Because we can do that. <laughs> we Absolutely can get- we can. Absolutely we can. And are we perfect? No. Are we going to mess up? No. Yeah. Yes. yes yeah. <laughs> do we have to beat ourselves up for it? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Perfection is not something that's attainable. Yeah, exactly. So if people were interested in finding out more about your program, working with you, or just following along, what would be the best way that they could do that? Yeah, so they can check out my um, website, Mm melissabucken.com. Just check it out there. I invite anybody to schedule a discovery call. So we have three coaches in our program. Uh, We really work hard to offer dynamic support um, all throughout the week, all hours of the day. Well, within reason, because, you know, (laughs) managing that stress, but, um, but with three of us, so you can schedule a discovery call. This is a 20 minute coaching call where you have the opportunity to share what you're going through. Um, We'll share a little bit about our program. Ultimately, the goal of this though, is to experience what, what's coaching like. And uh, what's the next best step for you? It may be connecting with our program, or it may be um, that we have some suggestions for you. We work really hard. We have a pretty dynamic network of physicians who offer um, a restorative approach to reproductive medicine. So we always try to connect women um, with doctors who will take that approach. One of the, the great things, if there's any silver lining in COVID, is that there are some really fantastic doctors who have started offering telehealth services. Yes. So if there's not this type of specialty practice in your area, you may be able to connect to somebody through telehealth. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that has been great. Even for me, the stress moving across country and I had finally found a holistic doctor that I was working with. And I was like, I cannot go through that and still being able to work with her virtually for the time being is like, is so helpful. So that is a, that's a really positive piece. I think that we're I'm excited for the future of telemedicine. I think it does have a place yes. um, in, in today's modern medicine. And you can also check me out uh, Facebook and Instagram, Virtues Fertility Care. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so check yeah. me out there. I'll have those all linked in the show notes and also on the blog post so that people can just click them as well. But I do have one last question um, that I like to ask everybody. And it's just, what are some of your favorite rituals or routines that you do that help you stay feeling your best? Um, I have a ritual of the daily gratitude practice. Mm. And this is really important um, to me. And actually, I'm going to be full. So we're actually coming out of COVID right now. And so I've been sleeping like an insane amount. Mm. And I just realized that's something that I let go and I'm really noticing it. And so I'm committing to, to picking that back up. But every morning I wake up and I carve out 30 minutes where it's just me. And, and this looks different for everybody. You know, we all hear about the, the importance of time in the morning. Um, I really worked to kind of curate my own approach to this. So I have the things that I do. I, I have a little book that I open up my journal and I go through what I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not in maybe a great place to be thankful for anything, I always visualize what would my life be without those things that I'm grateful for. Mm. And I do a little visualization and that always kind of puts me in my place of, wow, I am very, very blessed in it. And it just puts me in a sense of gratitude. Um, And then I, I work through what really my, my principles are like, what is it that really is a value to me that I am, am creating my life for? And I just list those down. I go through my daily disciplines. Um, I think it's really important for anybody living with chronic illness to have daily disciplines of what you allow in your life and what you allow that what you do not allow in your life mm. and that what you do not allow in your life looks different for everybody. But I, I guarantee if you're living with chronic illness, you have a list of things that you cannot let in your life, whether that be toxic relationships or gluten food, food with gluten in it, or, or sugar, or late nights. I mean, what, whatever it is, 
you have to cut things out of your life to, to, to heal. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remind myself of those every single day and it's really important that I do. Otherwise, sometimes I forget and I slip up and then it's a spiral down. Yeah. And then I visualize my day. I visualize my day in the best possible sense. What are the things I want to accomplish? And I visualize myself accomplish, like totally slaying those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of think about, okay, well, what may come up in the day that allows me to not really do all that I want to do? Mm-hmm. And then I kind of problem solved, get little creative problem solved. Okay. If this problem comes up, how am I going to handle that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just have some meditation prayer time and then I, I enter into, into my day. But, um, that that's like my morning ritual. I call it my daily gratitude practice and it sets me up for success. Even if I'm not feeling great, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not feeling great and I'm having a flare up, it's a great opportunity to recalibrate my expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I wanted to accomplish some really big things that day. And I just know that I don't have the space or the energy to do that. Then I can say, okay, that's okay. That's yeah. okay. That's not, that's not meant for today. Yeah. And I will visualize moving through a difficult day, but still it's a sense of gratitude and thankfulness and positivity. Yeah. I love that. That I think that's so important. And I like the, the being able to kind of sit with yourself in the morning and be like, okay, what, what's going on for me today? And what, and what does that mean for my day? Like, even if it is a bad health day or a flare or a really good day, like, what is, what does that mean for me today? It doesn't mean that my life is over, but like, what does, what can I, what can I make good about this day? I think that's really cool way to start your day for sure. Yeah. So is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? Well, I've just enjoyed this conversation. I think we covered a lot of information. Um, if anybody is out there and they are dealing with PCOS, um, endometriosis, infertility, I would love to connect and have a conversation with you. Um, just learn a little bit about what you're going through. And, you know, maybe I have some insight if you are kind of on that journey of, of looking for the right path for you. Um, yeah, I'd love to just, just touch base, but Jesse, I think the work that you're doing, this message of of being able to talk about the difficulties that women living with, with chronic illness um, are going through. Um, I just, I want to thank you for creating that space because it's really important that we're able to share, um, our journey Mm -hmm. and, and unite in that. Um, it goes back to my mantra. There are no shortcuts to any place worth growing and living with a chronic illness is not easy, but it definitely, you can live a full life. You can live a meaningful life. And, um, I just, you know, it's, it may be a fight, but it's a fight worth, worth, worth tackling. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's been a wonderful journey so far with the podcast, but it's been so great talking to you today. I'm so excited for my listeners to hear from you as well. I know that they will love it, but yeah, thanks again for being on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.